Welcome to the Coffee with COVID-19 podcast. My name is Patrick Rolf, and this is an ongoing media project where we use conversations with some of the leading entrepreneurs and thinkers within the coffee industry to try to understand a sustainable way to living together with our new reality, COVID-19. Welcome back to another episode of Coffee with COVID-19. We're here to discuss with different parts of the value chain in regards to how we're dealing with our new reality, which is living with COVID-19. The last months for the coffee industry has been some of the most challenging months we ever gone through, at least in modern times. And what we're trying to do here is to lay a groundwork and a foundation for how we as an industry can come out of this stronger um, and also share insights in how we're actually dealing with something that is very present. It's right here, it's right now. And we want to share professional stories uh, so that you can help to overcome this and and come out on the other side on the stronger. And with us, with this episode, which we're really excited about, she's been on the podcast before, uh, Joanna from Drop Coffee, uh, with us from the UK today. Uh, how are you? Hi, Patrick. Yeah, um, I'm well, uh, and I'm so happy to say I'm well. Like This has been uh, the most challenging month in running a business for 10 years. This has absolutely been the biggest challenge. So um, I'm very happy to sit here with you today and reflect a little bit of it. And we're we're very excited to have you with us. And and as you mentioned here, like it's a it's a perfect time for reflections, right? As as you say, it's been like some of us has been having businesses for for a long time, and and this is unprecedented times. Like we're going through challenges we haven't faced before, and and as an industry, it's important to come together and, and discuss this so that we can come out on the other side. One of the things I want to start to look into, obviously knowing that Drop Coffee is, is from Sweden as well, or based in Stockholm, and we all know Sweden has taken a slightly different route uh, than other countries going through this uh, kind of phase. I want to first try to understand uh, what was your kind of initial thoughts? When did you first hear about this? And, and how did you react at the very beginning of this process? Um, I do, like, I, I remember back in generally like hearing about uh, covid and more like the the virus happening in china and me being a bit a little bit like uh, hypochondrical like i i always notice uh, those, those things uh, but i was actually like in the big outbreak i was in um, central america together with my uh, now fiance steven um and we First, yeah, so we, we had been in uh, Nicaragua, we were going to uh, Guatemala, and then further on to El Salvador. And as we came to El Salvador, El Salvador was closing down. Um, and it was a bit like, it, it came, like it all happened so, so quickly. Um, and I remember we were with Carmen Rafael da Silva um, behind many from cafe behind many good coffees and we're gonna do a cupping and we asked like no this just doesn't feel right like she will really do 
the protocol that way. Like everything came from uh, something that almost was made fun of to places locking down. Um, and in El Salvador then it was barely like no cases and people were mainly going to to the beach. Um, and yeah, uh, was a week, I should know the date, but I meant that this is in end of February. Um, but you can check that. And yeah, things are, things are happening fast. Um, it's, it feels so vast and so far away uh, to, to think about it now. But yeah, um, and we understood that, whoa, maybe US are gonna actually uh, close down and we were gonna fly home through US. So it was all of the logistic and trying to find a new, a new route. Uh, to do the actual trip for um, setting routines for for the cafe on the uh, on the laptop in the morning, like meetings, trying to get a, a grasp uh, of everything and just digest it from a far distance. And then I understood the idea was that I I was gonna uh, go back to England to go to a, a retreat. Stephen is living in uh, England, but instead it was just like that gut feeling, like no this is big like I need to go home but still on that with the re-trip we did we were instead flying through Colombia turns out we left the very last evening um, it was flight out of El Salvador and uh, as we left Colombia um, I was on like on on the airport and looking for masks and I was like I really I really feel like I should carry a, a mask and Steve at that point, like laughing at me, like with my um, hypochondria, and we met uh, a lot of other people. And it was just that, like nobody, nobody had directions what to what to do. How dangerous is this really, and what's happening? Um, so, but I flew home, and I'm very happy. I followed that uh, gut feel, and uh, from then uh, quarantined for two weeks, um, and trying to. Yeah, make some really tough calls for continuing the business. What's been the main, because I mean, you guys are obviously a, a internationally renowned coffee roastery with international wholesale. Um, then you obviously have your, your local coffee bar in Stockholm as well. And um, two, two different businesses, uh, I assume needing two different kind of approaches as well in terms of going through COVID-19. What was some of the first initial decisions you had to take um, to kind of keep them moving forward? Um, the toughest one was the uh, cafe uh, that's carrying, like a cafe is way more, uh, or at least in the setup I've done, it's more it's more staff driven, like it's more, more people involved, it's uh, many shifts, it's a puzzle, like it's tricky to work out, schedule, how you, how you separate. Um, and in the roastery, like starting with that one was actually like easier to set up two different shifts and separate. So we were not then at that point like working together. So we only worked uh, alone and one people at a time in the building, gloves and everything. We were, so the inner bag we have in the box is um, uh, plastic material. And like all of that were like, okay, wait, it can't live on plastic for uh, three days the new research is saying now it was trying to like uh, the 
air driven, we could fairly easily control. Uh, but it was really tricky to control um, that in the cafe. So in the cafe, we were listening to like those press conferences every uh, every single day and trying to get new guidelines and the new um, yeah direction uh, for it every day. Um, and first thing we did, did this we did already when I was in El Salvador. I was just like, just remove the cups. Like nobody should touch uh, each other's cups. Like we need to have paper cups and we need to keep distance. That was the first two. Um, but we were allowed to remain open. Uh, but it's the, the weirdest feeling, like being open and you initially like recommend this spread in Sweden was way too way too big in uh, and like uncontrolled almost no I shouldn't say that it wasn't uncontrolled it was still at a uh, at the point where hospitals could control it but we were struggling a lot with controlling older homes and yeah it was a massive pressure to to the health system uh, and we should really ensure that it doesn't spread uh, for for that reason either. So that balance in remaining open, but also recommending people not to come if they have the tiniest symptoms and maybe they shouldn't come at all. Like that balance, I remember as one of the most challenging balance. It's like, should we actually encourage people to, to come? And which product and in what setup can we recommend them to come and and buy? Um, yeah. And we had a um, we had uh, governmental uh, support on something called uh, like a, a version of short term allowances. So instead of uh, letting people go, we've been trying to work as far and as long as we really could push uh, with that. Uh, so say if you, the actual, in that case, uh, barista is getting like 98% of the salary, um, but um, he or she may only work uh, 60% and the remaining 40, like this is one of the setup, but the remaining 40, the uh, business owner and the government is then sharing to pay. So, I mean, it is a solution to keep staff, but it's extremely costsome when you have an income of, yeah, we lost at the cafe, like they, the first weeks were just like, it was just empty, it was nothing happening, it was absolutely quiet. Looking back on it now, um, it was a drop of maybe. 70 to 80 percent the first um, three months and then uh, a loss down at 60 uh, percent uh, from there so of course this means that we we had way way too much stuff than we had income for um, and on top of that we are doing two coffee bars now in a co-working space uh, that decided to like no absolutely let's let's like we're closing tomorrow <laughs> um like co-working is not what you should do at the moment uh, so that was two more barista shifts so yeah i let people go uh, for the first time in 
ever I given a, uh, somebody a warning or two once, like to uh, encourage leaving, but I never, I never let anybody go uh, before this. So it was extremely tough and in a climate where, um, yeah, where, you know, they are probably not going to be offered another job. So, uh, so it was five people, five positions uh, that needed to be let go of. Um, and uh, two have been rehired and the others, I know they are in a good position. They came from other countries in Europe. So it's actually like, I know everyone is uh, okay. And I feel, um, it feels, it feels better now, but it was nothing but anxiety, like those nights and making those, do those calculation. And it was all about how much money can we lose? Um, mm. And it's an interesting, it was a, it was a very challenging situation in the sense that, I mean, as a, as a business owners, I think, I think firing someone or letting someone go is, is, is for sure one of the most like toughest decisions we have to make, right? And especially, which we had in, in other discussions on the podcast as well, when you actually have to tell someone to go, not because they're not doing a good job, but because uh, financially you, you simply can't deal with the structure of it, right, as a company, which, which makes it even tougher, right? Um, do you, have you had a, a, a similar reality for the roastery as well? Do, do you feel there's a difference in how the roastery and the coffee shops have been kind of hit financially going through this? Is either one of them doing kind of better than the other? Um, yeah, like I, I could use different tools for, for the two. And I would say that with the roastery, I had easier to find solutions uh, that... Uh, could work and that mm. saved the situation. Um, the hit, I would say, were from the beginning bigger at the roastery, just like uh, April, we're supplying a lot of people internationally, uh, Europe more or less shutting down and orders were just, you know, it's just <laughs> uh, down with at least 70% uh, in the beginning as well. Um, and we're a tiny team at at the roastery. Like we're we're small. We are not in the um, like we're not so staff driven that we needed to find um, other tasks uh, to do. So uh, why is the cafe? I couldn't like looking back on it. I'm sure I'm gonna have like ways where I could see that. Wow, we we could have done this like. I looked about uh, around and like, oh, can we rent out to somebody? Can we like, what can we do? Can we do things in the in the evening uh, and so on? But really, it was more just like, let's make it just to a yeah a smaller version of what it is and make that uh, will work. So at the at the um, roastery, we were very blessed to have um, more web orders. Like our web shop is um, very handmade and not pretty and like something that would need more <laughs> more investment. And so I'm just like grateful that people uh, are there uh, ordering coffee and trusting that the product is, is good. And that support was, yeah, fantastic. Like every single web order of those really 
went straight to the heart and just like, okay, we have a vision. Uh, this is what we're going to do. So that the web definitely helps. Uh, but then I came to the situation with what do I do with all of the all of the hours, first of all, um, all of the raw copy. That is, yeah, it's not moving. Like I always overbuy uh, a bit as well, like tending to do like buying. You, you get so excited and you you want to buy as much as you possibly can from everyone so i was sitting with um coffee that i just like calculating just like, no this is gonna gonna go old so we actually had with one of the supermarkets we had a meeting with who were gonna do a short-term project for um swedish uh producer who been like who's producing products who've been hit by COVID uh, as a like national supporting thing. Um, and that's something that was so out of the comfort zone for me normally. And I I didn't blink. Like, you know, when you sit in a meeting and it's just like, this is what I need to do. I need to achieve this. I need to come uh, to this point. Did um the best sales negotiations uh, I ever done and I moved a lot of raw coffee that would uh, just to gone old so that move saved the roastery so very much and the roastery and the cafe is actually going under uh, one business so I'm sitting with our end of year now and um, we're going plus this year I mean that's that's very impressive, right? I think there's there's very few coffee businesses that are are going to be able to pitch that in the end of this year, right? Um, I think for um, I mean a lot of them, at least on the podcast, what I what I've heard is that a lot of people like kind of come to terms with the fact that 2020 is not going to be a very good year. We're going to see red numbers. 2021 might be decent, and then they kind of hope to be back on track in in 20. 22 basically right so it's quite amazing to hear that there's actually someone that is making money going through this time or you know sustainable in that sense right and i think it's interesting um because i remember seeing the supermarket deal on instagram as well right and i thought that was i mean it's a genius move right um and it's also interesting to see how for some companies um and again, like we, we all wish that COVID-19 never happened. I think there's, there's you know, unanimous consensus about that. But there's also interesting to see that some new doors have opened for certain roasteries, right? Like, like for example, the, the sales you're talking about now, arguably that would probably not have happened if it wasn't for COVID-19, right? Um, and I'm curious also to um, think about, is this then something you're going to continue to do? Or do you feel that it was a, a kind of a 2020 COVID-19 rescue thing? Or is this now a new opportunity that has kind of um, grown into something that is going to allow drop copy to to, uh, to expand in a different direction as well? Um, like, short reply is I would love to. Um, second uh, thought is that I'm not sure it's, uh, that it's selling enough uh, on the shelves. So um, I decided to do this with uh, whole beans, like the exact same pro product uh, that we normally have. 
uh, roasted in the same way instead of, I would say, a roasting style is normally light to medium. And in this case, I chose to write medium roast. I spoke to my previous partner, Eric Rosendahl, who's now working in the supermarket business. And he was just like, if you write a light roast of that, you're not going like, to <laughs> sell anything. Just like, don't do that. So I was just like, okay, let's let's call it medium. Um, and of course, we produced bigger batches and we produced, like, instead of having two months uh, on best before day, we did a four-month version. So there are compromises, but compromise I felt comfortable uh, with and was actually good for me to challenge myself with. Um, I think for drop coffee, we, like, we got hit with such a, hipster stamp uh, early on and the last at least seven years I've been really trying to work like with coming out to to the people um, and that is actually just a good product and it doesn't mean that you need to belong to a certain you're very welcome to but it doesn't it's not meant to be exclusive for everyone it's a good product that should be achievable for everyone and in that sense, a supermarket would be uh, phenomenal. And it's interesting, some shops sold uh, extremely well. I know from Dalarna, for example, more up north in Sweden, where I'm from, we can say that we're selling uh, great. And yeah, you can really see like regions in Stockholm, of course, we sold uh, very good, Gothenburg as well. Um, yeah, so it's been, it's been interesting. And I'm, I was just left for every pallet they were ordering i was just you know like so so relieved and so happy and if i could and um, continue to do this in a way that more swedish people were aware of good coffee and talking more about origin i would love to be on that mission um And I'm very glad we had the opportunity to try it. Like, really, really glad we had the opportunity to try it out. So. Yeah, I mean, and, and from from my personal stand view as well, being obviously being Swedish and and t to some degree still invested in the Swedish coffee scene, um, I'm gonna argue that we uh, we would need more of that, right? Because uh, I think in Sweden, uh, also in other places, but I feel as uh, Sweden or Scandinavia in general, there's a quite um, distinct separation between supermarket coffee and you know the kind of coffee that we normally do, uh, both of us, right? And and I think that's uh, as you say as well. It's it's completely unnecessary, right? I think everyone likes great coffee. I think um, the consumer is more educated. I think the consumer wants um, you know fair proper relationship with with origin and also you know quality versus their coffee. So. I see it as a great opportunity, and I think it was a very, um, it's, a, it's an interesting and it's a smart move to do as well, right? Um, and we've seen through COVID-19, also talking to others here, that supermarkets have been doing really well. If there's anyone that has actually gone to, you know, supermarkets love 2020, you know, to some degree. Financially, it's been the best thing they've gone through, most of them. Um, and it's really interesting to see a, a roastery being able to be as flexible um, to kind of identify that, okay, but where is coffee moving? I have green coffee. I need that to go out. And you need it to go out not just for yourself, but also for your farmers, right? Because if you're stuck with a bunch of old coffee, you're not going to be able to buy new coffee, right? 
Um, so I think it's a, it's a very respectful action for the whole value chain, right? Uh, where it's, it's basically, it's, it's bigger than just the individual roastery, right? Um, and that's kind of what we, what we need to see as well. And I think that's a, it's a good kind of opportunity for us to go into uh, then the green coffee aspect uh, of drop coffee in COVID-19. Do you then, because of this, then I assume you're in a pretty big, pretty good place and are able to kind of continue your contract and uh, continue working with the producers you have? Or do you feel that there's still challenges in terms of, of your current volumes um, outside of supermarkets? Um, yeah, so this was all Ethiopian. <laughs> uh, so yeah, Ethiopia, I uh, I moved a lot and I'm happy with it. I still uh, have a little bit of stock, but uh, that's because I thought it would last um, longer, uh, the project. So, uh, or like we got so many more orders than, than we thought, so I ended up, you know, mm. um, uh, so now I'm fairly high on Ethiopia as well, but I bought everything I have uh, committed to um, and just having having that fresh crop um, coming in, I'd like to to actually like, okay, we're here now, we, we're here, like this is the way we should be on and we are on it, uh, feels really good. Um, and I have been buying, like besides this one farm I'm buying a little bit of coffee from that I didn't manage to do this year, but everyone else I've been like rather, uh, just what what you're saying, like rather been extra careful, like in making sure to be able to buy and maybe less trying to uh, overbuy. Uh, <laughs> anything but i definitely been trying to yeah make sure everyone is everyone is in uh, every single person i look in the eye and say um yeah we're going to take your coffee uh, we are taking it so it, it feels good and then i know we're in for like this is by by no point uh, over and i i don't think it will be the exact same of course, like 2021, no, like it's it's going to be different. Uh, so we need to find that new rhythm and models that, that are working. If we look at web borders, like that's great. But for, for green coffee buying, that means less volume for the same kind of profit uh, you would make uh, on it. So it's definitely many aspects of it. And we see cafes going out of businesses. I see my own cafe still um, having a drop around 60% from last year. So, um, of course, um, there is there is by no point um, anything that, that says, hey, we made it. Uh, it's, uh, we're adapting and uh, we're finding the new the new rhythm so and you can't plan yeah. so far ahead that's that's the thing as well that is just to be try to be very present and be here and now and what can we do what can we do now now so for the cafe for example it's beautiful how many more people same as you have in Copenhagen with no with no tourists coming it's even more of that local feeling and you have people coming uh, every single day uh, to the point where I'm like, oh, those stamp cards we had um, 
10 years ago and I, I need to do something like that. Like they are really here every day. They need to make like at least one out of 20 free. Let's do something. Uh, and last when we offered like one of these super regulars a card like that, they were just like, no, no, you don't get it. We're here to support and we are in a position we can do this now and we want to support you. And it's just those acts like supporting local and not going to, yeah, maybe the big shames if you don't have trust in them uh, is more important than than ever. Um, Mm. What well, what are they for you? I'm, I'm always trying these episodes to um, for for the people listening going through this the, the same kind of situation as well, right? If we um, if we try to to finish off with some kind of almost bullet points here, it's like what are the three main kind of lessons you are uh, taking with you from these kind of this initial phase of of Kobe that we're going through? Uh, recommendations for recommendations or learnings or yeah exactly so what is the 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 most important actions you have taken or haven't taken that maybe you should have taken um, that that you feel others could benefit from from uh, knowing as well I feel like (laughs) I'm actually impressed by myself and uh, like how <laughs> how brave I've been. Uh, I think I've been more uh, brave than than I thought I was gonna be. Um, and just like that extreme business mind connecting on uh, as the heart and the bank account, and you just become like so uh, rational in those situations and like dare dare to act. Uh, have been super important to me, and uh, that's absolutely one learning that you you can you can change. Like every single day, you're you have a new opportunity to to change and to try and to adapt, and that's that's what you need to do. And and I can see. Like looking at the cafe, for example, I can absolutely see so many arguments for closing that place down. But I didn't want to do that to my staff. I didn't want to do that to um, Drops Heart. Um, and we, like the team we have, and that kind of, like, I, I don't like calling business family, but like we, we have really been strong together and everyone is still a part of it and that was worth all of the money we we lost on that cafe and luckily we managed like it could have been a hardcore where the cafe uh, couldn't have been covered for by by the roastery uh, of course but i'm very i'm very happy uh, that i i didn't listen to to those advices yeah um And then I think we, like, it's so much, Patrick, like, you, you said three, like, it's so many things you've already changed. It's just this, like, when you finally, like, when, when you sit down with somebody, you're present. Like, I look at my inbox, and it's more, okay, it's either spam, because people are, for some reason, I get a lot of, uh, yeah, like, loose uh, 
ideas at the moment. But the other ones, the other ones who are actually emailing at the moment are really writing an email uh, to each other. I find that people are more, more present and more appreciating each other and each other's time. And when we do finally, like we don't call for a meeting with each other because we, because we should or because, you know, uh, like the calendars have gone like more, more flexible. And when we do meet or that we are ashamed more than ever, like if we don't take responsibility now, you have somebody else uh, falling behind. And um, in a position when everyone is struggling, we need to hold hands, even if we rather would like to let go a little while and come back later when we're stronger. I actually think that now is when we, when we do need to hold hands. And mm. I also feel that so many of us are going through, um, like we're working a lot with um, our minds and our souls, right? All of, all of that. And I do feel that it's more, we're talking more about uh, health um, and how we're actually doing. Like it's more real talks uh, going on. And we saw how countries could swap so big things uh, in short time. And we, we can adapt to most things um, and we don't need, you know, um, all the products that we usually get in the supermarket and uh, we may not need to cram so many things in like it's actually very few things we we do need um yeah and that i hope i hope we carry that with us to whatever will be I hope so too, and I think it's a, it's a it's a beautiful way to kind of wrap this conversation up as well. And it's a, I mean, it's it's for me, and I think for the other people we've been been hosting here on the podcast as well. It's it's um, really a red thread in this in terms that everyone is going back to what you say as well, like the heart of the business, the core of the business. You're defining this is the most important part for me, right? And I think that's something that is easily forgotten in in the kind of business of running a business or trying to grow a business. Um, and I think it's so important that, as you say, we come back to the things that really matters, right? And that's what we're focusing on. And as you say, uh, and as you obviously shown through this COVID-19 as well, that we're respecting the whole value chain because it is a very big boat and we're all in this together, right? And I think that those that are not understanding the importance of supporting those different aspects um, are, are not benefiting the industry the way that we should, right? We, we are really in this together. Um, so with that, I want to say thank you for your time, Joanna. It's always a pleasure. Um, and thank I hope you so we can... much for doing this, Patrick. It's uh, fantastic. Sure. I'm looking extremely much forward to hearing the other episodes and land and see how, how this has been. For others. We, we do have some great episodes and, and I'm also lo looking forward and I'm hopeful that we can revisit this conversation in a few months as well uh, to kind of check in on you again and see see what's going on. This, this is very much a continuous um, challenge for, for us in the industry. Thank you again. Thank you so much.
Thank you for listening. This project has been brought to you by April Media, which is an unfiltered view on the coffee industry powered by our Patreon supporters. Uh, we would love it if you share these episodes, subscribe to our channels, and if you want to be a part of building this, please join our Patreon. Thank you again.